the quality of the work that I take on really dictates the future of the work that I work on, that mm. my projects have to reflect the quality and the standards that I hold myself to. Welcome to the Slow and Fast Podcast, where we slow down and break down ideas and techniques to help speed up your creative journey. I'm Stephen Ward, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, John Masiel. How you doing, John? Doing really, really well. Today has been a really cool day because I woke up and had some chorizo and potatoes, Ooh. which was delish, Love and it. then uh, finished Wednesday's video or tomorrow's video, got that pre-uploaded in the YouTubes. And yeah, just planning out, like scheduling the rest of this year and seeing like all the potential I have. I'm, I've been working on strategy and, and game plans to present to you mm, for mm, mm. Uh, the podcast so we can talk about stuff. So like the last couple of weeks have been like me ironing out all this stuff. And today I'm waking up and I don't know what it is about this time of year. October, November, December are my favorite times of the year. And anyone listening in the future, we're pre-recording this in October of 2022 mm -hmm. and planning for next year and all that stuff after all the, like the past two years of reading books, doing this podcast, talking about, um, you know, how to build systems in place and things like that. And then implementing all that we've been learning this past year and talking about on the show mm -hmm. makes me really excited for like next year and wh where, where it's going and like planning it all out. The reason I plan it out, anyone listening, if you're wondering, if you're wondering like, why isn't Steven, Steven is really good at seeing things that I don't. I'm just a nerd and I like to plan things out and then be like, hey, how does this work? And then he gives me his 10 cents and I fix it right then and there. And he'll bring up things I didn't think about. Um, because if we both try to like sit there and analyze a calendar, I already know it would be disastrous because like mm. one of us has to take the charge in that. And yeah. Steven uh, edits the video. He takes care of the production side of stuff. So it's like operations I'll handle. You handle production stuff. And then we meet in the middle and make decisions together. Yep. Yep. I don't want people thinking you're lazy, bro. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I feel like I do. Uh, I do. I do a decent amount of work. Um, I mean, like it's it's one of those things where I so appreciate the things that you are taking care of because I feel like our strengths are being really well taken care of, and like we are playing to our strengths and allowing the other person to to shore up our weaknesses, right? Like, you know, yeah. you've said on previous podcasts, you're like, yeah, you're the better art you know you're, you're the better editor and and it's like i have many 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 years of experience you know like it's not that you're a bad editor just that i have like no i'm a bad editor I, i'm good i'm good with the truth <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it, it, it is a strength of mine and i and i do enjoy and appreciate that we are catering to our own strengths and making sure that like we're like open and communicative with like everything that we need from each other yeah and you know, with operation stuff, it just happens to be like my life has always been in operation. So it's not something like I woke up one day. I was like, I want to know how to do this. It was like I was forced into it from so many jobs and naturally it was just like good at just figuring out. It's like a puzzle. And for some reason, my brain is just really good at like, oh, we can't do the, these dates because of this calendar and like remembering certain things. I can't remember any family members' birthdays and shit, but man – you put it on a calendar for like work stuff and I'll remember I can't do it that day. I got work. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's like, I think because we've both come from like, we both did content, but we had different strengths. We both recognized those strengths. So it was a very easy, like, 
I'm just going to naturally take the lead. How do you feel? I feel fine. Okay, cool. Um, you're better at this at production. Can you just handle, I don't even want to think about it. And we both were kind of like, we don't want to think about the other thing. We'll just do what we know. And then meet in the middle when we have to, it was, it's like mm -hmm. such an easy conversation. I think anyone who's a creative and you're partnering with someone else, I know we talked about this type of thing with networking and building relationships. It's really important to know, like, what is your core strength? Stop trying to do it all yourself. Like if me and Steven weren't, you know, secure in knowing what our strengths were, then there would probably be some like weird uh, power shifts and like, oh, I'll do this and this on the schedule. How about you do these videos? And then ultimately, like we're wasting time, valuable yeah. time that, you know, we talked in the previous episode, how much time you should be putting in. The reason we're able to put in the right time is because of this type of stuff mm -hmm. and having these mm -hmm. uh, discussions and kind of leads into all this stuff leads into this episode, which um, I thought would be an interesting topic to talk about because I've been thinking about it a lot this past year because of how 2017 to like 2021-ish John changed so much. And this episode is about like how our perspective perspectives on success have changed mm -hmm. in this time to where we are now. Because like, I mean – Single Steven is very different to married Steven and what you consider success and stuff. Absolutely. So I kind of want to know, like, what did you deem success, let's say, 2015 to 2019? Uh, success to me was filling my plate to the brim with work. And getting, you know, the, the the pat on the back for it, I suppose, you know, like, obviously mm. the money was important, but for me, a lot of it was like validation and just making sure that like what I was doing was being appreciated and, uh, you know, success, like I, like I hustled hard and it was just to make sure that I had the money to continue to do what I wanted to do. So like to me, success wasn't necessarily a monetary figure, but it was just like, I want to be busy all the fucking time and I want to be doing really great mm. work with good people. And I just took on everything that I possibly could in the hopes that uh, I could continue like kind of moving up the the social ladder, I guess, if you if you want to put it like that, where I'd continue getting better and better jobs as I go along. Um, that that was kind of what I viewed as success because, you know, I, I I've never had that like monetary motivation. I've never I've never wanted money for money's sake. I like the things that money get me, you know, mm -hmm. so I like, I like good food. I like good comforts. I like going fun places. Uh, and that's great. Uh, but yeah, that money, money in and of itself, money in and of itself was not my, my sole motivation. So you're not like a Scrooge McDuck swimming in a pool of money, right? Nah, <laughs> no, no, no. If I have my my general creature comforts, like I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy. Take some vacations every once in a while. Although at that point, I would say 2015 to 2019, Stephen did not believe in vacations at all. Wanted one, but just was mm -hmm. like, no, I can't. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna become. I'm too busy. Yeah, I'm too busy. I'm gonna become uh, irrelevant if I take a week off. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's gonna drink my milkshake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How so? How. How did your perspective change from success in 2019 to like 2021-ish? Uh, I, I definitely realized that the quality of the work that I take on really dictates the future of the work that I work on. That mm. my projects have to reflect the quality 
and the standards that I hold myself to. So like turning down jobs because 2015 to 2019, Stephen turned down no jobs. Yeah, I took everything on no matter how good or bad it was. Uh, I took every crap client that would pay my rates. And then now I know what I'm worth. I know how valuable my time is. And I'm really, really stuck on keeping my boundaries because I know that ultimately that's going to lead to a better success because that's going to include like all those creature comforts that I mentioned before, but also like being able to build memories with the people that I love, give me the time available mm. to, you know, go on vacations with my wife, go on day trips with my wife. Even simple stuff is just like, Hey, we're going on walks first thing in the morning, every morning. So we can spend time chatting and like just continuing to get to know each other better. You know, their earlier iterations of Steven did not believe in that. No, it's like so polar opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's like busy, busy. And now it's like less busy, better work yes. because of filters and what is actually deemed as quality time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. What was the shift at what do you know at what point you shifted from like being busy all the time to like this is actually not how like I'm not aligned with this way of living anymore. It was a slow process uh, because as as you know, and as I've said on the, the podcast, I like initially working for Neural, I was grind, grind, grind. It was two pieces of content a week and I was working seven days a week, you know, uh, that lasted like six, eight months, something like that. I don't remember exactly how long, but it was it was pretty grueling. I told them like, hey, I need to slow down just a little bit. So we went to one piece of content a week. That was still a lot of work every week by myself for the most part. And then uh, I saw what it was doing with my relationship to my wife and myself. Mm. At that time, she was my girlfriend. So, you know, I I could see the hurt that I wasn't paying enough time, paying enough attention to her. I wasn't spending enough quality time with her. I wasn't, you know, observing those little, little things that really do matter in the end when it comes to a relationship as far as, you know, being home when you say that you're going to be home, letting a person know when you're not going to be home, you know, just giving them the courtesy of saying like, hey, I'm going to be a half an hour late, just, you know, giving you a heads up. Um, and it really kind of pulled me into focus that, it, yeah, my immediate actions have consequences. And if I want to keep this relationship that I'm really, really into, like I need to shift my focus. Um mm -hmm. And I really, really did try while I was working at Neural to to kind of pull in balance. Um, it was that I just got to work a little harder. I just got to get ahead. I just got to put a little more effort in and then I can, you know, make it work. Um, and it ended up not, but that's okay. Yeah. And, it's also difficult when like it's not your, your company or thing. So you are essentially plugged into a system that you don't actually own. So whether you get ahead or not, it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. the trajectory of whatever campaign the company is on for any type of a release can change at any moment. And yeah. then it's like all the work you put in to get ahead, it's changed because of they, you know, hey, we've changed because of this. And mm -hmm. the owners they're going by what their schedule and what they want to do, not necessarily a balance of everyone else at the company. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really did observe the reality of what was happening to the person that I loved. And I saw those consequences piling up. And I really did try to make that grind uh, lifestyle work 
mm-hmm. with that with that with that other other aspect, but it really doesn't. And I and I realized that I had to really kind of change my perspective on what work I took, what balance I strike with my work and my off hours, uh, making sure to really literally kind of turn off that side of my brain af- outside of my my set work hours. Mm. Do you think that if you were not dating Courtney at that time, would you have probably stayed the same or were you kind of aware of it? You just didn't know how to get out of it and it took a push from the relationship. I think, I think the relationship was definitely like the catalyst to to changing that perspective. Um, I probably would have stayed in a little longer than I, than I did with neural. Um, I would have eventually gotten so burnt out that I might've even like, like, you know how some, some people, when they get like really burnt out, they start self-sabotaging. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's probably what would have ended up having happening with me is just, you know, the work would have started to degrade, you know, and the quality would have kept going down until that point where it's just like, okay, like either we fix this thing or we separate ways. Um, so I probably would have lasted a little longer and, tried to stick it out for longer um but it really was the relationship with courtney that really kind of steered me towards this this new perspective um you know remembering that moment that we had talking it out say you know her saying you know what i'm not happy here i'm not gonna be happy here i'm never gonna be happy here so either i go home or we go home you know, was essentially the conversation. I don't think she said it in those exact terms, but that's sort of the the vibe that was being uh, laid down. And I was like, mm. okay, so we're going home. Yeah, cool. the 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 way you were working, the way you were living, you that did not outweigh your love for the relationship. So you were like, that's this isn't very easy decision. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it was I'm it not was gonna let, let this temporary easy. thing affect a forever thing. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. And I knew, I knew that at that point I had like, I had the, the, the resume behind me that I knew like, okay, like I'm going to leave now and go back to the States, keep working. And eventually I was like, okay, well I need to leave anyway. Um, and then I knew I could forge my own path and really kind of try and find that, find what I was missing in those previous years where it was just grind, 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 and try and implement a better system to make it much more sustainable in the future. So that way I, I could have, I could have my cake and eat it too. You know, mm-hmm. I could have that good work that I really loved and that I, that I was driven to do, but also have the relationships and the time off. Um, because when you're disciplined in your approach to business and creative endeavors, you know, you can have that freedom outside of those hours that you that you set aside for your for your work. Yep. So, I'm kind of curious. Um, up until that point, because when you were at the studio when we were working together, I remember like it seemed like at that time your idea of success was to one day be in Finland. Like that was the pivotal moment to be at HQ making content their artists going there basically everything like it just seemed like finland was always in the conversation even before it was the conversation Mm -hmm. and i always took that as like oh that's like that was like it seemed like that was your goal um for like a year it's like i just want to get out there and be at hq because it was like emerging and exciting so Mm -hmm. totally understood like why you would 
why you would have wanted that. So it was a very, it was very surprising. I mean, would you agree with that sentiment? Is that kind of how you felt? I definitely felt that at some point I might end up there. And I definitely wanted to go out to HQ to create content with the people that I was working with, because at that point, like I, like, and I, and I still, I still love Doug and Poncho and, and so many of the people that work there, they're, they're great people. And I, and I do, I, I enjoyed a lot of what I did there while at the company. Um, so I really did want to get out there to kind of grow a little closer to that specific community because there was, there was a community that was there within the, the, the culture of the company that I kind of caught a glimpse of through any of our zoom calls or town hall meetings. And, you know, I was like, Oh, you know what? I kind of want to be a part of that. Cause it seems like that's like really cool and really fun. And, you know, uh, I can, I can kind of like get to know these people better if I'm out there. Um, mm-hmm. cause these seem to be my people. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of the goal was to get out there and get a little bit closer to these these people and I and I thought that that was like ultimately going to be the success that I wanted because um I saw more opportunity out there mm. you know to kind of embed myself more with these people and and you know I had ideas for where I could take the content and I had ideas for like how I could help the artists relationship with the company um internally like i thought about growing my own branch of like you know like maybe even like producing like a music label uh like a neural dsp music label within the company you know i thought about doing that um so there was definitely ideas for like upper trajectory within the company and Mm -hmm. moving out moving out to finland would end up being being that that gateway to that upper trajectory gotcha and then got out there and all of a sudden it was like yeah this ain't working um yeah was it the time zone change or what was it exactly um that didn't make it work yeah that like you guys just weren't vibing with um so the the time zone the what i thought was opportunity what i saw as opportunity was was not there as much as i had hoped Mm, um The company culture definitely was was different than I was expecting and not necessarily in a bad way. It's just that like where I'm at in my life did not match up with what they wanted to do. So like, you know, they wanted to go out to hang out in parties and bar, you know, whatever. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm I'm kind of a shut-in. Like, I like hanging out, we'll have some pizza, and then I'm gonna go home and get a good night's sleep because I'm getting up at 5 a.m. the next day. Mm-hmm. to do my workouts or you know talk with people back in the states or whatever um so like i i definitely didn't fit in with the company culture as much as i thought i was going to so that 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 opportunity felt like it wasn't there as much as i was led to believe and then gotcha. uh and and so like yeah i i had to i had to shift shift gears and really kind of understand and respect what reality was and say like, okay, well, this is this is no longer what I want, you know. It makes sense. So yeah. after leaving and did, earlier this year after you left the company and you had mentioned like what you had reassessed, have your – what were kind of like – what was – what did you consider um, – like what was your definition of success for 2022 for like this year? And what do you imagine it? Have you already thought about what you kind of are defining it for next year? 
I knew this year was going to be rough. I knew this year was going to be a total deconstruction of my motivation, my goals, how I viewed my relationships, you know, to work and the people around me. Um, and I, cause I knew that what I was doing before was unsustainable. I knew I was capable mm -hmm. of the work and I'm capable of, you know, getting, getting good things out in the world. Um, I just now had to figure out how to create a sustainable system to make that work. So mm -hmm. this year has been a deconstruction of what I feel I, you know, want to do what I will take on again, it's talking about like the boundaries of like you know, what work I take on, what work I don't. It's like, if this, if this job is only there for a paycheck, like, yeah, that could be something I might consider, but ultimately like, well, I'm, I'm actually in a good spot right now that I don't have to take on every single job, you know, yeah. I, and I'm obviously I'm living with my parents and they're not charging me rent. So that's a huge help. And I'm grateful that shout I have out that to, support system. Yeah. Shout out to our parents. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we're living the millennial dream, moving back in with our parents and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mooching off their 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 broom room money. <laughs> um, I actually saw the other day that like seventy percent of America's wealth belongs to the the boomer generation, and I was wow. like, "Yeah, makes complete sense." Like mm -hmm. their generation made those policies, but. I'm reaping those benefits right now. <laughs> so, That's like, instead, very true. Instead of seeing it as like, oh man, I'm back home with my parents. Like I remember like younger version of me would have been like, oh, I can't believe I'm back with my parents. But this version, like me being older, I'm like, look, I value time so much differently now with people and loved ones. Um, just because when you're, when I was grinding in Los Angeles, it's like you meet so many people and you do so many things like relationships it's not like they're transactional, but things happen so quickly. Like the type of relationship, it's different. It's hard to explain unless you live in that world, how different it is to be in that type of environment. And, you know, you can make a friendship in eight hours, at, like out at night and never talk to that person again, but the memories you'll make that one night stick with you. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're in it, you don't really think about it until you're away from that environment. You're like, oh man, I should have really lived in the moment more. I should have really appreciated that more. So like I, instead of being, you know, oh man, I'm like back home with my parents. I see it as like, I was, I didn't live at home for, I think for over 10 years. Like mm -hmm. I moved out and I was gone up until like I moved back in last year. So like my parents and family didn't get to know me and grow with me during that time because I wasn't a, as a, around as much uh, mm -hmm. while I was getting things going. And it, the past like year and a half, I've been viewing it as like really trying to enjoy this moment in time because I now am more aware that time changes and relationships and things change and pers just everything will always evolve. And now mm -hmm. I'm more aware of it. So instead of like, oh man, I'm my parents, I'm really like, I'm here hanging out. My parents are like, they understand what I'm trying to do. I've explained it. And they know that I'm not just like playing Xbox all day or just BSing. They know that I'm aware of like, okay, I need at least 24 months of ramp time to just like get this thing going. And, uh, you know, if I don't make it to that point, then I, I will like, I am very aware that I have put a timer on this. I appreciate you guys allowing me to be here, but I, I, this is, this, I don't want to say pit stop, but this is just a temporary thing for me. Like mm -hmm. the next thing I do is then the rest of my life is how I'm viewing it. It's not, 
the next gig. It's I'm setting, I'm building my future basically. Um, mm-hmm. At and some say, it, you know, and there have been times where I thought like, man, I'm so behind. But then I'm like, everyone feels that way, right? Like, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, Especially if you've been as, as like when you realize that perspective that 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 shift right like something shifts something changes and suddenly you go why didn't i realize this before like that mm-hmm. that's that's when it like because that that's that, that's a bad way to think about it you know it's like you you had to go through those things for you to re- learn the lesson yeah. yeah so for 2023 since this year you knew it was gonna be a deconstruct recalibrate figure out how to prioritize time mm-hmm. What are you, what is like your definition of so this was like 2023 December 2023 what what would you have deemed success in your in your opinion right now like certain things that you're able to do or lifestyle you're able to maintain what what are you deeming a success for next year success for next year looks like um I would actually really want to grow my YouTube channel. I'm at 300 and some odd subscribers right now, and I'd love to get to 1,000 subscribers by next year. Um, All right. We're going to do that. Yeah. So we're, we're going, going, we're, we're going, going to do help. that. You're not going to do that alone. Yeah. I'm going to I'm, uh, like, not that you can't do it alone, but I'm going to help you get yep. there. But first we got to f- figure out some other things, but no, yeah, that's yeah. easily doable. Yeah. That's that. I, that's what I figured. I'm, I'm like, okay, I've already got, I have like three to five scripts that I have almost prepped that I'm going to start filming this week. Um, and then Another thing in 2023, I want to start uh, traveling for work, uh, mainly just to create video content with artists that I know, because I do have a lot of friends from the you know connections that I've made from Neural, and I would love to be able to go out and be the guy behind the camera producing content for other people, because I think that would be just a, a lot of fun, you know, because I like, mm. I love creating music and I love mixing and mastering and, and that that's really like a, a good passion of mine but also like i see the value inherently in c- being able to go out and create content for other artists so they can use that on their social media platforms so that's mm. something that i really want to pursue as well because you know i have friends over in texas and i have like i have a, a handful of friends in texas i could just go out there for a week two weeks create a bunch of content for these different artists so that way they have something to promote their their launches their their eps or whatever they want to they want to do um so that's that's a big thing being able to travel to create content with people that's something I, i'm really interested in mm, that'd be cool yeah <clears throat> uh, content creation on the road is always a interesting thing whenever I was recording bands and like their photographer or video person would come in and just like the way seeing their backpack rigs. It's like you watch YouTube videos on like what I keep in my backpack. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is like a hundred percent contrived for the video. It's not actually what they actually use most of the time. Mm-hmm. Cause if it was, there would be more footage of them on the road using it throughout the year. Like it would be what stayed in my bag for 2021 or something like that. So a lot of it's just contrived for the video. Sorry to burst the Hollywood magic for people. <laughs> and when I would actually see videog- traveling videographers whenever I'd go to shows and like people would have their video people and seeing what's actually in their backpacks is how like, it, it, it literally is. If this thing is not useful, it's out. Yes. Like they don't have space to worry. Like, you know, a lot of zoom lenses that way they can have a range of different focal lengths and maybe it may be an aperture of 2.5. I'm getting really nerdy with it, but it's like the things I would notice. I'm like, Oh, okay. So like, 
they can use the like this is the gear that actual professionals traveling a lot use because you see some stuff on YouTube, you're like, oh, I want this and that, and then you like and I start adding up the money, and you're like, do you really need five lenses to go on a trip? Like, I feel like that could be one lens, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like I'm even like with my lenses, I'm like, man. I could probably get a like I only have three, but I'm like I probably I'm like I only use two of these, and I bet if I get like one good lens, I can get a zoom lens, and I can have one lens that is a power lens that does everything for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the traveling I didn't know about the traveling videography that that could be cool. Um, it's a I'm just thinking like how much editing you're probably going to do next year. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure, and, and that's that's where like building the systems now doing all of this editing. So like, you know, I'm editing the, the the plugin alley stuff. I'll be editing my own stuff. Like this is just laying the groundwork, the foundation for my workflow in the future. So that way when somebody says like, okay, I, oh, also, I don't know if I told you, I'm actually gonna be doing, uh, filming a, a music video this month for a local Sacramento mm. band. So I'm like, oh, that's, nice. That's gonna be fucking sick. They just want something like, it's just gonna be a performance. I already have ideas for lighting and shots that I need, but like, that's gonna be, like the start of the foundation for figuring out like okay if i want to do music videos what do i need to bring on on set you know what's going to be absolutely necessary that i have it's all going to be like handheld with my black magic camera so like okay let's figure figure shit out so that's going to be again lay, like building everything down or de- deconstructing everything this month this year and then reconstructing into something that's much much better you know it's so it's so funny to me like you're just going all in on your production skills yeah. and you thoroughly enjoy it like you're going to build it's, it sounds like to me you're you're conspiring to build your own production film editing house company basically that you maybe have on the side. <laughs> yeah that's what it, that's what it sounds like yeah. i'm i'm i i've had an idea but now i'm here for for uh the first time that that's what you're going to be pursuing. Yeah. And I honestly think like, uh, I know we both love music mm-hmm. and like ultimately like if I could wake up every day and just make records for bands that I loved, that's what I would be doing. Absolutely. But the reality is like the amount of money for the band, uh, like the bands that I want to work with, I have to get on their radar by doing my own thing basically. Yeah. yeah. That's where, that's where I'm at with everything. So it's like, yeah, I can get there, but I have to do it myself because if I go the traditional route, I, it's like, why take 10 years when I can take five? Like, mm-hmm. I just got to put in work in a different area and figure all that out. And it, essentially, like these companies I'm building, I'm like, I've talked about it before with like other goals. Where it's like, yeah, eventually I want them to pay for me to be able to just like, I'm the CEO, I make certain decisions and then I go record some i have some band, bigger bands come in record and or like i go away for three months to go shoot like a short indie film or something like that mm-hmm. and maybe i hire your production company to come help me do that shit because mm-hmm. i definitely i'm i'm definitely like building everything so it's like yeah i want these companies that pay for my other like hobbies <laughs> that yes. i want to do my other things that i want to create yeah like, i want to have a band again but to do that stuff, I'm like, okay, I have to be the band and then build a company around the band so that I hire musicians because I know how bands work. Everyone thinks that, like every band member is a part of the decision making and they don't mm-hmm. understand. That is such a rare thing in bands. Usually the band is owned by one or two people. That's it. And those two people call the shots. Everyone else is a hired salary musician. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's like this delusion of this delusion that we've been fed by like MTV and VH1 and whatever people are watching. It's like, yeah. oh, bands are like a family, and it's not like most of the time after a couple of records, they can't stand each other. They yeah. they just understand it's a business, and like to yeah, pay for their lifestyle, they, they have to make records. Yeah, they understand the coworker relationship. That's why when certain things would happen to certain bands, and people are like, oh, people in the band didn't know. And the same thing with like other com media companies and creator companies. I'm like, I could totally see that being on this side because like as much as me and Steven talk and work, like we only know so much about each other's personal lives. So it's like, there could be shit going on. That's like, not that there is, but there could be stuff like neither of us know. And then one day it comes up and we're like, oh, I didn't know that about you. Like I didn't know this about Steven and his production company. Right. So it's like, I think it's okay. Like it doesn't have to be like everyone's in everyone's business all the time. And mm -hmm. with bands. Unfortunately, or fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know how you want to view it, but yeah. that's how it is. So that's why I'm never surprised when people are like, oh, how could they not know? They're on tour and stuff. I'm like, you think they're all on the bus together at the same time all day? They don't put on headphones and Game Boys and stuff. I'm like, you don't know what band life is like or mm -hmm. studio life or anything. It's very uh, – I think everyone thinks it's a hangout and mm -hmm. everyone's just hanging out in a room. And it's like some people are hanging out in the room for sure, for sure. Yeah. Some are not. Sometimes it's one guy who flies in, records the whole record, plays most of the instruments, hires a couple session musicians, goes back home. Those people are credited on the record or they're paid as ghost players. And the the, the rest of the band is at home driving Uber. Like yep. <laughs> I got yep. so many stories about something like that people don't know about. And like <laughs> whenever someone's like trying to build something up, I was like, shut up, John. Don't say anything. Don't ruin their dream. But this is my podcast so I can ruin everyone's dream. Yes. Yeah. Including mine. <laughs> Well, I'm actually like so. So that's sort of my journey through yeah, like cool. the definition of success. But I'm I'm really like I, I really want to talk about your perspective on success and how you viewed it, like 2015 to 2019, 2020, and and beyond where it started, mm. where where it's at now. Mm, you reversed Uno card me, but actually, it's like just to continue the conversation. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, especially because I like I remember, like there there was there's. When we first met, we were like we were hanging out at the Burbank studio. I remember mm. a big thing for you was like, I just want to get everything free, man. I just want companies to be like, here, have have all the things. And you're like, that, that was like a big measurement of your success is whether you could get something for free or not. And that, yeah, and, and I, I know that that felt nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it, and I, and I felt nothing. Yeah. So like. It's because when you have nothing, you want everything, right? Mm. And that's, I valued success. At that time, I valued success by credits of the records I was working on and using leveraging my network to get free gear for companies just because I know that they could do it. And I'm like, I, like, I don't need to be an A-lister to get free stuff. I just need to know how to use what I have to leverage to get stuff. And I, and I, I picked that up very quickly and I acquired a ton of free stuff in the amount of, I got more free stuff in like a few years than most YouTubers will the rest of their careers. Like the amount of stuff I was able to pull up. But the thing is, I never saw it as like, <clears throat> I don't know how to explain, it, but it, the, the way I saw it as a measurement of success is like, I was doing so much work in audio and because certain budgets are certain ways, I was making enough to get by and then get my name on records to give me credits, which would give me better work and stuff. But when you're doing that and someone takes on a rec uh, labels are like, we're only paying you this much. There's only so much of the pie to go around. 
for how many people are gaining a slice. And for me, I was like, the only way to get more out of whatever is instead of wasting money on plugins and gear and shit that I would actually need and use, I can just like leverage my opportunities with these companies to get it. And because I'm leveraging the work that I'm doing, the success is that they're going to give me stuff because of who and what I'm affiliated with. Mm -hmm. They see the value in it as long as I proposed it properly. Yeah. And to me, it was like, I just want, I want as much free stuff as possible. And I want to get my friends as much free stuff as possible because I know what it's like to not have people looking out for you. Unfortunately, I've always been in a situation where people look out for me very, very minimally. Mm -hmm. So one thing I've always been cognizant of and always very aware of with anybody I work with, I know what it feels like to be at the bottom end of the pole and just like people just forget about you because they're so concerned with themselves. I really, really try to, to think of everyone when I make a decision. I try to, I watch out for myself. Like I ha, like I have a balance of like, I have to be 70 to 80% okay and everyone else gets about 20% and they'll be good at 20%. Like most people can take 10 to 20% benefit and they're like appreciative of it. They don't need the same, like it doesn't need to be 50-50 when you're trying to do stuff like that. Mm. So as long as I was mostly taken care of and then I could help other people and my friends, I was like, I'm good. So I measure success by like not only free stuff for me, but like, for other people. And, you know, I pulled it off, uh, got you some free stuff too. Mm -hmm. every once in a while, mm -hmm. like everyone in my circle benefited. And I measured success of like, felt like a moth, like a, the head of a mafia or something. <laughs> I remember one time me and some friends were out at dinner and we were talking to somebody and they're like, y y you guys sound like you run a mafia. And I was like, you know, you're not too far off. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, the way we ran everything and you know for those years like success was making records getting free stuff and just hanging out with friends like doing music like that that was my definition of success i was like i wasn't i was just trying to make a dream come to life basically so i measured my success by is this dream happening mm -hmm. and then around 2020 when the pandemic hit I don't, I, it's, I, I feel like it was like October or something again. I think there's something about October, like the end of the year where I start reflecting on the past or something, but it was in 2020 when I was like, uh, I need a change. LA is not the same. Most people are moving. The, the increasing rents are crazy. This city's not going to be the same for another uh, few months. Like, do I really, uh, I, I, I had built a life <clears throat> in LA but the life no longer like Bo had moved at that time. You were, you were on your way out to Finland. Um, a few other people moved out of LA and then like, I was just not using the studio and what I was doing for work audio had changed. So I wasn't even making records anymore and we couldn't record records. The mixing work had slowed down and I was like, what everything that I built here, like what I defined as success has, has changed rapidly. I don't mm -hmm. think, I think if the pandemic would have not happened, it probably would have been another year or two before I would have came to this realization. Like mm -hmm. I would have stuck it out just because it's like what I knew kind of like you. Yeah. And I was like, what do I ultimately want? And the company I was working with at the time, um, the CEO was based in Georgia and awkwardly or funny enough earlier that, uh, the year before in October in 2019, my sister and her family had moved to Georgia. And then within a few months, my dad got a job offer out in Georgia and my parents decided to move to be closer to the grandkids. And 
that was like the first time I would be oh, like my family's always been like two to three hours away. So that was like, oh, my family's gone. And it was always nice to like be able to take Oliver to my parents, drop him off for a weekend whenever I had to go do something that like was gone. So but the pandemic hit. So I didn't have to worry about travel and things like that. And once I had the realization, I was like, I've gotten everything that I've wanted to get basically out of L.A. Like my idea of making it in L.A., like I did it. It was really weird to come to terms with like I did it within four years. I did it. Mm. Most people would be like, it's just, you know, it takes people longer. Sometimes to take longer to get to their goals. But I, but my definition of success was I've I accomplished it. And I had like a weird existential, like, so what does audio and music look like for me now? Like I already knew at that point, I was like, something, something's different. And then I got into the video stuff and I was like, oh, this is like really fun. And then because of COVID, I was doing a lot of content and figuring that stuff out. And I was like, oh, content. I'd always wanted to do YouTube and stuff, but I was so scared to be on camera. And I just was starting to get comfortable with it. And I was like, oh, my personality, a lot, like, this is very easy for my personality to accept. Being on camera isn't like, everyone's like, oh, there's so many people making TikToks and YouTube shorts. Yeah, that's a very small fraction of the populace because most people don't feel that comfortable doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it was funny because I was like, I wonder if I, maybe I should just move. I was like, the CEO lives in Georgia. Maybe I just move close to the CEO because I can do more work and see how the inner workings of a company work or whatever. That was like my train of thought at the time. I didn't realize like how far from the city my parents were because I never looked it up. I was like, and then I, um, I just made the decision. I was like, I'm moving across country. I was like, I don't know what success looks like for 2021. But I just know my time in LA is done. And it was really, really weird. Like, I'm telling you, there's nothing like hitting your goal and not knowing what the next thing is and needing a needing a breather. So once I got out of LA, uh, I ended up here in Georgia in like February of 2021. But the cool part was I made a road trip out of Kamehameha. So me and Oliver were on the road. Oliver is my dog and the dude was so chill with like a month long mm -hmm. trip. Um, we would stay at hotels. We got all places. He got to pee on every little thing out there. Um, <laughs> it was a good like bond. It, it, I was really nervous at first because I was like, man, a dog on a like month long road trip. And I was like, well, people take people live in vans and have their dogs with them and they travel across country. And I was like, walks he's going to get the fresh air all the things I was like, this is gonna be a good bonding experience for me and him. Like this is, and I was, and for me, I was also excited about the prospect of like driving across country and just seeing things. Cause like I usually fly everywhere. And it was during that time I started watching, uh, I was already watching more TikToks, but I was like finding more and more TikToks on like books and things like that. Then I was listening to podcasts cause I was driving like five to six hours any given day. And while I was doing that drive, I was like, I don't, all I know is for 2021, I want, I need to read more books and gain more knowledge because something might, I knew at that time, something was going to change that year. I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I was like, something's going to change because what I want is not this thing. Like on paper, I'm doing great, but I, I don't, I didn't deem it as like successful. I was like, yeah, I'm making money in audio and I deem that success. But it's not like what I defined as success, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So spent a lot of time in 2021 just reading books on marketing and figuring out like who influenced the smarter people, like the people around me. It's always like a matter of like, who's doing the thing you want to do and then mimic it or copy it. So I started mm -hmm. really paying close attention to things, people who were more successful than me were saying and doing, what books were they mentioning, finding the common books, ordering those books, reading those books. And slowly, when you do that enough, you start getting to down a tunnel or a rabbit hole and you're like, okay, these are the people that most influence all these people if I just read their books and then start implementing. And I noticed my mind shift started to change. I was noticing things in the company I was working at like, oh, I don't like how this is working out. I don't like that. And I started realizing, oh, I have a cap on how far I can go in my career here. This is a nine to five. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I am not in the level of success that I, that I imagined, but I don't know what that success is. So 2022 was, or 2021 was really like a, I don't even, I didn't have any measurement for success that year. It was just kind of like, what am, what am I doing? Luckily I was home with my parents. So, you know, I clocked into work, clocked out and I was just trying to figure it out. And then when I made a decision to just like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I don't want to do this thing anymore. <laughs> like I am yeah. so, so gone. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it felt like instead of being scared of not having a stable paycheck coming in, I felt so relieved, like a yeah. weight had been lifted off me. And I was like, oh my God, like mm -hmm. there, there is no one to bother me and ask me questions. Like it's all on me now. And it was like the first time in a few years I've actually felt free because in 2017 to 2019, it was just grind, 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 help everyone out, get as many projects. Like everything was a grind. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I don't need to prove anything to myself, but I, I do know whatever the next stage of happiness is, is going to be cool. And then it was about. October, I knew YouTube in 2021, I knew I wanted to do YouTube. Like I was tired of not doing it. And then I was like, you know what? I am going to spend 2022 rebuilding the Plugin Alley YouTube channel. I'm going to focus in on it as YouTube. I'm going to be an educational media company. I'm going to build a media company. And I knew I was going like, to have a podcast. I knew I was going to make courses, all this other stuff. Like I knew I was like, I want to do kind of what I've been doing, but I don't want to just be this one role. I want to be the creative side that makes all this stuff happen, build a company, and then hire people to come in into roles, eventually bring on a CEO to run the company while I stay on the creative side. Like mm -hmm. I already know I do not want to be CEO of this thing once it grows. Um, that's, I'd rather be on the board. I am a creative to my core. I do other things that I have to do because I know if I don't things like you have to take on certain roles to build things, mm -hmm. but after they're built, you can hire people to do things that you don't want to do. And I already, I, a lot of people want to be CEO cause it's flashy or they think it's like people are like, Oh, the CEO. And like, they think it's great. I'm like, CEOs come and go from companies. There's nothing special about CEO. Yeah. Who is the person that's the creative behind all the decisions? Like I see. Like when I see Disney, I could give a shit less about the CEO. Who are the writers writing the films that people are buying tickets to go see the movies? Those are the people that are the real heroes in my book because CEO is not the one writing the scripts. They're just the ones making the strategic calls. And I feel like anyone can do that job as cruel as I might sound. I really don't, 
I don't envy CEOs. Like, I think it's like the cheesiest thing when people brag about being CEOs or things like that. I'm like, dude, you're, unless you're like the creative and visionary, like, yeah, you grew a company, but there's a, like, you're, you're a dime a dozen. There's so many other people out there so talented in CEO and strategy and stuff, but not everyone is good at creative and execution and then understanding what people like, what can emotionally move them. And that's, that's where I thrive. That's 100% what I like to do. So building a YouTube channel is like, got to do these things I don't like to do. But instead of like 2017, John, where it's like I had to do everything because I don't want someone to take my milkshake. I'm like, I need to build it to a point and then bring on people to help me build this thing. And instead mm -hmm. of hoarding all the money, it's like, no, 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 I'm not hoarding money. I'm going to funnel it back into the thing because that's how you grow things faster. And then once you get to a sustainable place, it's like people always say, oh, I didn't get a paycheck for like two or three years. What they mean to say is I made enough to get by, but I didn't have any fun money <laughs> yes. for two to three years. That's yeah. what that means. They didn't yeah. have any fun money. They had... My bills were paid. I had food in my stomach. I was able to pay my people, but I didn't go to the movies or an amusement park for two years. That's what that statement means. I was I always get so frustrated when people say I didn't have a paycheck for two three years. I'm like, no, that don't say the wrong thing because then people think they're going to be poor for two to three years. Yeah, say it how it is. Yeah, and that's when I. But when I came to that realization in 2021, I was like, 2022 is going to be a year of just like grinding on YouTube. And I don't know why, but I was like, one of my goals is I'm going to hit a hundred K subscribers on my YouTube. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to script a video, how to film a video, how to edit a video. Um, you know, I bought a bunch of courses that kind of helped speed that process up. And it wasn't until like a month ago, I was like, man, I just haven't reached my goals. But I took like a couple of pauses, building something from scratch, don't have the skill sets. But looking at reflecting back at this year, I'm like, I may have not reached my goals, but damn, like I have, like, I know I've progressed way more than most people who've had a channel for three years. My channel, I'm like, it is just a matter of time until the podcast and the YouTube channel. I'm like, that stuff's all a matter of time. I'm like, there's, there's quality there. It's just, I gotta be patient. It's like people will find it when it's the right time. Mm -hmm. And I should be enjoying the time where it's like, we can get away with not with just having fun because once it's not, it's not that it's not going to be fun, but once you have an audience that expects something from you, then again, consistency needs to be there in the delivery every single time. So it's like right now is the time to have fun and experiment. Sure. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to do that every once in a while in the future, but it's like right now it's like, enjoy that. No one's watching because in the future, because not in not too long, they're going to be watching and it's going to be a different type of pressure. It's going to be a pressure of growing. It's going to be a pressure of maintaining and retaining essentially. Yeah. So like this year's success to me was also life balance, like systems, um, what do I want? How do I, how do I envision a company, like a media company? Like I've this whole year and Steven, every time we talk, I'm always like talking big picture, even though I'm small picture, <laughs> but it's because I know it's like, I need, I need to know what I'm working towards and building so that when I bring on a team eventually and stuff, it's like, I'm, I'm not wing. I know what it, what it's like to work with people who are winging it. And I absolutely hate it. Mm -hmm. People love as much as people like to complain in creatives, focus is everything. And I know as creatives, we naturally are like, I don't want to like be told and constrained and focus on the things. Like I want to just create and feel and vibe. Yeah. But trust me, if, 
you want focus and that's why you hire managers. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You need someone to tell you, you, you need to be uh, someone, you need someone who's going to tell you what to do at what time and where to be. If there's nothing wrong with that. Like someone needs to rein in the creative and the hard part is when you're the creative and you have to rein yourself in and you're like, I really, really hate doing this. I really, really hate doing this so much. Like the level of hate <laughs> and, yep. But it's been, uh, you know, this year I define success as like balance, as doing things like this. Starting, uh, even though I haven't done a lot to some people on the outside, it's like we have, you know, we've recorded so many podcast episodes. I've learned so much from the YouTube journey and then doing podcasts for that channel and that network and then working on these newsletters. It's like all these skill sets that I've been working on this year. It's like next year, they're going to like, they're okay now. Next year, they're going to be even better. And by this time next year, it's going to be insane at the level of quality that's going to be just pumping out. And then I'm like, the year after that, oh my God. I'm like, so instead of thinking everything like, oh, I can't catch up. I'm like, this was the perfect year to, instead of like run before you're ready to walk, it's been really like, I'm just like strolling um, in the best way possible. And, you know, like I think I briefly told you, like one of my goals for next year is like, I don't believe in the five day work week. I really don't because, mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of companies in European countries have tested it and they've seen that even when you go down to a four day work week, the amount and the quality of work doesn't change. And I'm like, yeah, I 100% know because I've worked in corporate America my whole life. And I can tell you right now how many hours of bullshitting happen. And I think for quality of life and balance of life, it's like. If you could work Monday through Thursday every single week and have the weekend for like have Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, friends come over, whatever. I think if you start starting off now with this type of system and mindset of like, okay, I only want to work Monday through Thursday. That means I've got to focus and get shit yeah. done. Mm -hmm. And it does get done. You're just like, oh, I can do this. Like, I just don't know why I've never done it. But the quality of life and the balance is there. Like, I don't, I don't like working Saturdays and Sundays. Like, and Fridays, I am, I don't know what it is, but when I wake up Friday, I'm like, yeah, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> Fr Fridays, Fridays for administrative tasks for me, a lot, a lot of oh, planning, yeah. a lot of research, a lot of like figuring out, okay, cool. Like this is what I got done. Here's, here's my plan to get everything else done the following week. Yeah. I kind of do that on a, on Sundays. I kind of mm. like look at the calendar and mastermind things just cause right now I'm looking into next year, but yeah, Fridays, I honestly am worthless to anybody. I, that's when I like to catch up on all the shows from the week. All that stuff is on Fridays. And Saturday is like, I just like to watch TV. Like, that's one thing I didn't do for years was not watch TV. So my idea of success is just life balance work and then ramping up, another plug for our ramp-up newsletter, mm -hmm. to, you know, what's going to happen in the future. And it kind of goes with the, why we named the podcast Slow and Fast is like slowing down to really think things out so that things will go faster in the future because we've built these systems in place to allow us to do that. And for 2023, my, my measurement of what I think successful is to actually, well, I'm not going to say these in like dreamy, like next year's goal is going to be sick. I'm going to define a success uh, when the moment the podcast is able to make money and Plugin Alley is able to make money, mm -hmm. and I have an idea of what I want to have what I want to have happen, but I know the amount 
of work that needs to be done. So I'm strategizing because I'm like, okay, if we want to get to the, if I want us to get to this point, we have to do these certain things. But my definition of success, success for next year is that I'm making money from these creative endeavors. There's no reason for me not to make any money next year from either any of these companies. Mm-hmm. If I don't make money next year, that's because I didn't do my, what I was possible to do. And because like for this podcast, your time and my time are both very valuable. I'm like, we, and we want to grow this and have more things happen, even though we're only 22 episodes in, mm-hmm. we have goals already. And I'm like, the only way to make certain things happen is like, we have to start thinking of this as a business and bringing in money, but we're not doing it in a way where we're burning ourselves out or thinking about it. So my, my definition of success for next year is maintaining what I've been doing for this year, being more knowledgeable, reading, work-life balance, working out, but then making money with these creative streams, um, knowing that uh, 2024 is like, ideally, I don't have to, like these things have become, you know, uh, our paychecks. Mm-hmm. And we're we're all set and that 24 months paid off basically. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, honestly, what might be an interesting conversation to have, like, cause I, as, as you were talking, I was thinking about you mentioned about your YouTube journey and you wanted to make a hundred K subscribers. And like, I'm wondering if like, well, cause I, I think that there are metrics that you should be prioritizing mm-hmm. for success in, in any endeavor. You know, and I'm wondering if that it might actually end up being a full episode if we if we talk about you know what metrics you should prioritize for success. Because thinking about uh, yeah. YouTube specifically, like a lot of people think, okay, my subscriber count uh, and the like to dislike ratio, those are my those are my metrics for success, right? Oh man, we should because my metrics for success for YouTube are totally different what what most people are totally and, different, right? And my metric for success on YouTube, I because my metric, I, I will say this confidently, my method of success for YouTube is so superior to everyone else's in my world in the music niche that I know that once I take off and that channel takes off, it's going to be very difficult to keep, catch up to me. Like mm-hmm. I already know um, because of what I look at and define as success, uh, where what most people think and are taught, yeah, it's very, very different. Um, mm-hmm. Next year... I will be very surprised if uh, the channel does not hit 100K subscribers. Mm-hmm. Like I am that confident in next year, um, especially Steven's coming on to help me out with the editing because I've reached my, I'm the bottleneck. And with Steven's editing abilities and just my creativity and what I'm able to bring, I'm like, there. if next year I don't have 100K subscribers is, I'm not going to be harsh on myself, but it, it will ultimately be, I didn't have, I, I know what the problem was if I didn't do it, but I'm like so confident in like, no, this channel is going to blow up out of nowhere. I just need to stay true to like certain things. And once it starts taking off, it's going to be a fun roller coaster ride. And I'm really excited for it, but I would be really surprised if this time, if by the end of December of 2023, if Plugin Alley did not have 100,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. But that to me isn't a metric of success. That's just, I know people care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, let me go get that silver play button. So people are like, oh, now he's serious. That's like the bullshit of this whole thing with YouTube is like, I have so many channels that I watch that don't have 100K subscribers that have so much value. Yep. So much value. But it's like, people do not take a channel seriously unless they have like 100K subscribers. And they're like, oh, they have 100K. They're serious. It's like, why? Why is that the metric of 
authority to which you will adhere and listen to people because a lot of those people don't have the same amount of success and work and just like net, uh, you know, credibility that like Steven, you and I may have like 300 subscribers right now, but we have more credibility than most people in our niche that talk about shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's like, why, why is a subscriber count? What you think, what, what you deem is, okay, I'll listen to these people. When, if you go like, look me up on the records I've worked with and the people I've worked with, it's like, oh, he's done more actually, but has less subscribers. It's like, that's the world we live in. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right, cool. But cool. I, I get it. I, I, yeah. So I think, I think we should, we should brainstorm and, and make that a full, full episode. I think that would be a really, really fascinating conversation to have. Yeah. We talk a lot about music. We should, uh, we should like do a few episodes on YouTube stuff mm -hmm. in the future. And cause I know some listeners are like content creators. Cause yeah, I mean, we're going to do a newsletter and once we get that thing rolling, we'll talk about the newsletter. I have a couple of Twitter strategy ideas. I have some TikTok and short ideas that I have mm -hmm. that next year we'll implement. And you know, this is a podcast to help creative. So it's like, we'll be transparent and tell you guys our strategies and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you can steal them if you want, because I mean, how, there's so many houses in the world, right? It's like, right. There's no reason to like fortify with just one house. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, more than happy to share that that stuff. That that would be a cool episode. But yeah, anything else you want to add? I think that's pretty much it. Um, Dwight? Yeah, good point to wrap up. So that's an episode to look forward to in the future. So if you found this episode helpful, please share it with somebody you know who would also find some value in this episode. If you'd like to continue this discussion with John and I, you can find a link to our show's Discord server in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening. And if you want even more motivation to help your creative goals come to life, we have started up our Ramp Up newsletter. If you'd like to sign up, you can find a link in the description of this episode, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Later. Later. Later.